to the Orange Five. My name is Brian. We're all about positivity and optimization. We're gonna talk about some things that I'm sure you guys will be excited about. Let's get into the room. Check it out. Well, hello, Orange Pod Nation. Joseph here. You probably read the title of this episode. We all have a comeback story. Yep, I truly believe we all do. Uh, most of us have a story, and I think as we understand that our story can be leveraged to help others around us based on our experience, we all have a comeback story. Now, let me speak to those who don't believe that they have a comeback story. Maybe they're in a hard situation where they're high-pressed, perplexed, persecuted, abandoned. I want to let you know there is light on the other side of the tunnel. Um, my hope is that my comeback story will help your story. Because there's always a way out. There's always a way. And I also want to remind you what you're capable of. I want to expose you to the real you. I want to expose you to the better version of you. Do not settle. You have a comeback story that's forming and working right now as we speak. So, we're going back to the grassroots of Joseph here. And I grew up in Australia, Sydney in a suburb called Summerhill. It started at Summerhill, then I moved to Dulwich Hill. And growing up, I didn't know who my father was. My mom uh, raised me with my grandparents, and it was a tough journey. I know it was tough on my mom because, you know, she had me and uh, she had to provide for me and all the things. And through that process... Uh, This guy was dating my mom at the time, and I think my grandparents actually tried to fix her with this young man who became my stepdad. And I was nine at the time when they got married, or I think I was a little bit younger than that. I think I was about seven. I was seven at the time when my stepdad married my mother. Matter of fact, before they got married, I was calling my stepdad uncle, which was super awkward for both him and I, (laughs) if you can imagine. I want you to picture this, a kid who didn't grow up with his biological father and was raised by his mother. You can imagine this young kid, this young man who was constantly trying to find his identity, would try to fit in with every group. So I grew up, raised, and was surrounded by the Fijian community, a very diverse group in Sydney, Australia. There's Vietnamese, Indonesians, Lebanese, Portuguese, like all these different cultures that are in Sydney. And here I was trying to fit in, (laughs) trying to figure it all out. So my stepdad and my mom, when they got married, they wanted to build a life for themselves. And it was nothing selfish. It was definitely heavily influenced by my grandmother. She wanted them to go and start a family together and just allow my grandmother to raise me up. So I'm heavily influenced by my grandmother. I miss her a ton. She's in Australia and I'm in America and my grandmother means a ton to me. She helped raise me. So she influenced them to go start a family of their own type thing. But then when I started high school, my stepdad reached out to my grandmother and was like, hey, we want Joe to stay with us. And at that time, my brother was born and my two other sisters were were born as well. So my brother was like four or five at the time. So when I moved in with my family, I was reestablishing myself. 
reinventing, I guess, myself, trying to fit in again. <laughs> and it was okay for the first three years, I guess, and then things took a turn. I think this virus in me, this void that I was carrying, these questions, this uh, identity piece of mine was missing. And it was heavily taking a toll in my my heart, my soul, and my mind, and just not trusting people, all these kind of stuff. And a matter of fact, a lot of my peers had more influence in me than my, my parents. And that, that may seem normal to you, but for me, probably wasn't the best. So some of my decisions that I was making in high school weren't the best. I didn't do well in school. I actually flunked it. I skipped a lot of classes. I didn't do well because of this void I was carrying. I was not making, I'm not making an excuse. It literally confused me. It's amazing how identity can really shift your mindset. So when I graduated out of high school, we moved away from that town. I was there for at least six years and I established my network, my friends who weren't really the best for me at the time. But we moved out of that town to go to a city and then I had to reinvent myself again, still carrying this void. And I decided to join the military. I went part-time for two years and then I decided to go full-time after that great experience. So I went full-time, I joined as an engineer and I went into the construction squadron, which essentially is a great way to get a trade certificate when you leave the military. So if you want like a a step or a foot in the door of um, working and getting a job right after the military, it's always good to get a trade certificate out of the military because they pay for everything and then you then you serve uh, your country with this um, qualification. So I enjoyed it. I didn't mind it. I did it. Uh, it still felt like I wasn't really in the job that I wanted to be in, but I, I do admit it was definitely a great process stage for me. It helped with my character building. It helped me be exposed to other families. And this is where the shift came in. When I was 25, turning 26, I remember this. I realized that a lot of the families that I was exposed to in the military were broken families. Or some of the guys were dating, they had spouses, and they were having a bad relationship or things would happen. And obviously, you can imagine all the pressure that you'd feel in the military of traveling and then you know, reestablishing the relationship after traveling for so long in the military. Like I was seeing all these broken marriages and broken families and I realized my family was a good family. I was taken for granted. So I would go back and embrace them and love them and, you know, appreciate them. And I remember my stepdad invited me to go to his island in Fiji. This is where his dad uh, was born. And his dad, or my step-granddad, if you will, was the first president of the Methodist Church in Fiji. So he was very well known over there. And this is the island that my stepdad wanted to go back to. He wanted to reestablish the relationships there and also introduce his children to the village. So with this type of setup and this culture, We have chiefs, we have tribes, and whenever you bring your family back to the tribe of being away from them because of great opportunities out in the Western world, if you will, 
you have to perform a ceremony. And the ceremony entails of having your the lead of the family, which is the father, who will introduce the children to the village. So I knew this as he was asking me to go with him, with the family, to this island. So we get to Fiji. We get on this boat. And I'm telling y'all, this boat is old, rugged, and kind of scary. Picture a fishing boat that can hold up to 100 people. It was no cruise ship. It wasn't luxurious or anything like that. It was rough. And we had to catch this boat from the main island in Fiji to my dad's island, which was roughly about 11 hours to get there. So you can imagine all the waves and all the crazy things that we've probably seen through that journey. So we finally get to the island and we stop at the main port. And at the main port, there's all these small little uh, boats, fiberglass boats. And if you're from Australia, it's like a dinghy boat, right? And each of these dinghy boats, I think there was like five of them at the time, they will transport all the uh, passengers of this big boat out into the, the different tribes or different villages around this island in Matuku. So... Our boat was there. We put all our luggage in and then we are traveling to the village um, that my dad was raised in. And as we're traveling there, I think we're about five minutes out. And my stepdad nudged me and he goes, hey, Joe, what I want you to do is get out of the boat first and I want you to be embraced by the village. And I'm like, wait, what? So I was confused, kind of nervous and excited at the same time. I'm like, you want me to go out first? What? Wait, what does this mean? So we get there, we're about a minute out, and I see the village, the villagers, if you will, all of my, uh, most of my dad's cousins and aunties and uncles all coming down to the shore, creating this half circle, and they're already welcoming us, shouting us down like, yes, come here, woo, welcome, like in the native tongue, if you can imagine that. And we stop just shy of the shore, and they ask me to get out first. So I get out first. Still not sure why I had to get out first because I was like, wait, what? This doesn't make sense to me. And then I walk into the shore and I'm I'm embraced by all the villagers. They put this uh, lei over me, this necklace, this Fijian traditional necklace that they put over me and they're all welcoming, singing. And this is like this crazy experience of being welcomed and loved. So you can imagine how confused I was because when you go to a village like that, you want the oldest sibling going out into the shore so i was confused because i'm not blood related to my father so i was like confused by this whole situation so a day later we had the opportunity to have a conversation with my stepdad and it was me my brother and my sister at the time and i asked him like hey dad like why did you want me to go out first like why isn't my brother out there like he's directly blood related to you so it makes sense he's the oldest in the family per se in the Tui Lavani family and I remember him saying this to me he said Joe no one in this village knows that you have been adopted and you're part you're now part of this family you share our last name so that means you're the oldest you're my son so lead Lead strong, step into these shoes, and embrace it. Now, 
I don't know about you, but if you've ever heard something like that, <laughs> some form of validation or affirmation, if you will, it literally filled that void. This constant search, this longing for like acceptance where it was filled by this moment. There are so many contributing factors to this moment, but I just wanted to validate this to a lot of you young men out there or even older men, is that you're probably working on your comeback story. There are opportunities that are around you that you're probably missing like I did. You're probably blindsided. You are pressed, perplexed, persecuted and abandoned, but I want to let you know there are opportunities around you. Sometimes we just get so blinded by our victimness. We are so victimized by our past that we don't allow the new version of us to be born into this new level of confidence. My family showed me humility. I've heard a definition of humility from C.S. Lewis. He says this, humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. At that moment, my family showed me humility like I've never seen before, where they were thinking of me and they're constantly thinking of themselves less, but they didn't think less of themselves. Now I get to stand in a position, I'm in a position now where I want to become a problem solver. I want to generate value based on the problems that I've been seeing. Uh, I've been seeing men neglected and forgotten about. I've seen men mistreated by their spouses and vice versa. The question, the ultimate question you've got to ask yourself, men and women, if you're listening to this right now, why are you on earth? I believe I'm here to solve a problem. And my hope is to clarify these things for the next generation so that they have helpful handles so they can be successful in life. Because I believe we are all here for a purpose, motivated by this purpose that will fulfill our life, that will contribute to the, to the life in front of us or the world in front of us that can ripple outside the world around us. Don't let the old you stop you. Now, I'm constantly at war. I'm at war with the old me. The new me is like, I am putting up a fight. You are going to wrestle with me until I die. I'm not allowing my family or the people around me to get the worst of me. They're going to get the best of me. It is world war me. My comeback story is to help encourage you. And I want to leave you with these questions, a call to action. And these questions are, what are you hearing? What are you listening to right now? Matter of fact, what are your friends listening to? Are they listening to positivity? Are they listening to ways of optimizing their lives? Are you listening to ways of making your life better so that you make your world better? I've heard it said that you have to live in your creative space to make it a better place. Let me say that one more time. Let me end with this. Use your comeback story so that you can live in your creative space to make it a better place. Thanks for tuning in to The Orange Pod. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share. Enjoy the rest of your week.